Dale, do you want to open us in a prayer? That'd be awesome. You said spiritual. <laughs> <laughs> well, amen. We're <laughs> counting on that. <laughs> Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for all you do for us, for all that you've given to us. Thank you for this uh, great conference, Father. We get to learn so much, get to fellowship. I pray that uh, today's class will be informative, will be helpful, will be something we can take away from uh, from here, Father, and really apply in our lives so that we can have mar- marriages that will glorify you. We love you, Father. It's in your Son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, we are the Millers, Brett and Jeannie, and uh, it's our privilege to serve in the Montgomery County Church. and. We also have Dale and Face Porter, who are uh, serving in the Baltimore Church with us today, uh, teaching with us. And so what Jeannie and I are going to do is we're going to spend just a few minutes kind of with, sort of giving you a biblical foundation, sort of two biblical bricks for, bu- for building on and share briefly. And then the Porters are really going to spend the bulk of the time sharing from their experience. They've been married longer than we have. They have some great thoughts and great ideas, a lot of practical things. So we're going to kind of kick it off, and then they're going to they're take us home and back clean up. So... If you're going to fall asleep, now's the time to do that because once they come up, you're going to want to wake up. <laughs> so um, we appreciate the porters and we're just getting to know them. Um, I believe they served as elders in the New York church for a number of years and, uh, and so have a lot of great wisdom and a lot of great experience. Their family is spiritual and very well established. So open, open your Bibles uh, to Malachi. Malachi. Now again, this passage is... Um, probably familiar. We're not going to use passages that you've probably never seen before, but Jeannie and I have really two thoughts or two bricks. Uh, The first one is faithful, and the second one is forever. Alright, so you'll notice there's some alliteration there that goes on. Um, Where are we going, Malachi? That's right. Malachi chapter 1. So faithful and forever. Uh, Here in Malachi, yeah, maybe you guys can slide in. Um, we've got some people still trying to find their way in. We, we, we need like some more chairs, so one, please. Um, one, like one seat. Yeah, please sit, sit close to one another or raise your hand if there's a seat next to you. We've still got people coming in. Amen. Thank you, James. Uh, so again, we're the Millers. Uh, Malachi chapter 1, um, beginning in verse 6. I uh, know we're going to start a little bit further along, I guess. Or am I supposed to be in chapter 3? I'm supposed to be in chapter 3, aren't I? Chapter 2. Chapter 2. Well, there's only three chapters, so eventually we will find it. <laughs> in verse 10. Malachi 2, in verse 10. Have we not all one Father? Did not God create us? Why do we profane the covenant of our fathers by breaking faith? with one another. Judah has broken faith. A detestable thing has been committed in Israel and in Jerusalem. Judah has desecrated the sanctuary the Lord loves by marrying the daughter of a foreign god. As for the man who does this, whoever he may be, may the Lord cut him off from the tents of Jacob, even though he brings offerings to the Lord Almighty. Another thing you do, you flood the Lord's altar with tears. You weep and wail because he no longer pays attention to your offerings or accepts them with pleasure from your hands. And you ask why? It is because the Lord is acting as witness between you and the wife of your youth. Because you have broken faith with her, though she is your partner, the wife of your marriage covenant. Has not the Lord made them one? In flesh and spirit, they are his. And why one? Because he was seeking godly offspring. So guard yourself in your spirit and do not break faith with the wife of your youth. I hate divorce, says the Lord God of Israel, and I hate a man's covering himself with violence as well as with his garment, says the Lord Almighty. So guard yourself in your spirit and do not break faith. You know, most frequently we come across this passage to teach against divorce. And of course, it does teach that. But there's a deeper principle here of faithfulness to God. And what Jeannie and I really want to talk about is just this idea of covenant, right? Of making a covenant. Um, I'm sure most of you have heard of, heard that word before as Christians, you know, covenant. And a covenant is, is a, an agreement between two parties. And it has some of the similarities of a contract 
Um, so the basic differences are these. A contract basically is held in force by a document, right? By the law. So if I sell Dale a car and we write a bill of sale on that car, um, you know, it says you're going to pay me $10,200 for my Kia Sportage and he gives me $10,200 and I give him the keys and I give him the title and I have that paperwork. The deal is done, right? And if I go back to Dale and say, hey, you owe me $700 more, he comes back to me with a contract and says, no, you said 10-2 and the contract says 10-2 and I paid you 10-2 and so we're done, right? And so the contract actually enforces the relationship. The difference with a covenant is a covenant may have a contract associated with it, but what enforces the covenant is the goodwill and the intention of the parties, right? That a covenant is enforced by relationship, a contract is enforced by the law. And so marriage is a covenant. Yes, there are laws governing marriage in the United States. There are laws in most places. There are scriptures that say how to be a husband and how to be a wife. But at the end of the day, marriage is a covenant. What binds Jeannie and I together is that we've decided we're going to be together and nothing is going to get between us. It's the relationship that makes the, the, it makes the covenant binding, right? It's the goodwill and the good intentions of she towards me and me towards her. That's what makes it work. Well, when I think of a covenant, you know, this is kind of interesting. We've been helping a number of, of people all over with their marriages. And one of the things that keeps coming up is this idea that the spouse, and no offense, it tends to be the brother in some of these cases, but it, does, <laughs> but it can be the, be the sister. Uh -huh. um, but that, that this, this idea that somehow or another... Um, their job is coming first. In our case, you know, we get with a lot of people in the ministry, ministry couples. And so some of them are putting the ministry before their wife, you know. Or, um, and it can happen in reverse as well. But, ministry but, guy. But it also goes along with the idea that, you know, um, you can put your job first. Your kids, for wives, it can be putting the kids before your husband. And, and I think the big thing that we want to make sure that we are, are talking about is that you have a covenant with God, right? Your disciple. And you have a covenant with your spouse. You don't have a covenant with the ministry. You don't have a covenant with your job. You, as, as a mom, you don't have a covenant with your children. They might have come from you, but you don't have a covenant with them as well. And just the importance of keeping those things straight in our marriage. Yeah, and th this is very, very important because I think for, for the brothers, guys, I mean, the, the truth is when I'm struggling with, with my connection with Jeannie, it's almost always because I've put something before the marriage. And so you'll notice here in the text, God is challenging Judah on their faithfulness. And look what he says. He says in verse 13 that you flood the, 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 the Lord's altar with tears. You weep and wail because he's not paying attention to your offerings. And, and it says, why? Because the Lord is acting as witness between you and the wife of your youth. You've broken faith. And what we know, he's talking about this, this, the nation of Israel here. And, and it wasn't so much that they literally had stopped loving their wives. It's that they had begun to make things more important than their marriages. That they had pursued, this, in this case, the security of Israel over and above their families. Right? They were violating the basic rules of marriage. And they were spending more time trying to take care of the nation, take care of their cities, take care of their crops. And they were neglecting their family lives. And so as a brother, my tendency is to do the thing that makes me feel good in the moment. Right. I don't know if anyone else can relate. Maybe you guys are really spiritual and you never do that, right? So it's, it's, some of you may appreciate this. The Boston Red Sox are on their way to a world championship, it seems. And uh, <laughs> I know we got Yankees fans here, you know. We'll see. Well, well we're, we're past the Yankees anyway, so we know that they're further along the way to the world championship than the Yankees this year. But, but <laughs> Oh, that's a different kind of brick, bro. I'm sorry. I didn't, mean to, I didn't mean to hit you with a brick, you know. And so I'm very interested in baseball. All right? And, you know, one of the cardinal sins as a married man is to be talking with your wife and you're checking your MLB uh, app, you know, and you're like watching the score, you know. Because I get notifications, you know, little drops down and stuff comes on. And Jeannie will say to me, You've broke connection. <laughs> or I'll say, so... Are you in that conversation or in this conversation? <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Right? And what happens is I put things in front of Jeannie. They could be little things, like checking the score. Um, little things like, uh, you know, I, I don't know, just, just diddling around in my office instead of uh, talking to her. So we live on a, on a, in a split-level house, a split-foyered a split house. And so it's kind of sort of a one-level house, but there's a little downstairs area, you know. And, and the house is just wide enough, and we're just old enough that we can't have conversations. <laughs> like when we were younger, you'd be like, hey, we can kind of conversate. I'm not saying you do that, but just you can have a conversation up and down the stairs, right? The, the Fatis actually taught us to do that, so we'll just, you know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I know, these bricks, you know. But in, in, in this house, what happens is if, if the air conditioning kicks on, I can't hear her from the other end of the house. And, and so sometimes what will happen is she'll be talking to me and the air will kick on and I'll be like, well, she knows I can't hear her, so I'll just check out. Because <laughs> I know I don't have to. I don't do that every day, right? I mean, but maybe once a week or something. But connection, right? That, that priorities, brothers, that my priority has to be Jeannie. It's God and then it's Jeannie. And nothing else comes before Jeannie except God. Right. Not my hobbies, not my appetites, not my sleep, not the dog, not my sports. Definitely not my career, not waxing the car, not cutting the grass, you know, not going down to Nat Geo and hanging out with Madi and John, you know, nothing like that, right? The genie has to be first. And when I don't do that, I'm actually violating my covenant. What would God say to the Israelites when they put something before, before him? It's a covenant violation. It's a fundamental breakdown in the relationship. Marriage is also a covenant. And when I put something ahead of genie that isn't godly, I'm breaking covenant. Well, and I can share about a time when we were in Pittsburgh, and um, I have often said that our first year in the ministry liked to killed me and our marriage. And, um, you know, and, and it wasn't just him. I mean, I was guilty, too, of putting the ministry before each other. And before long, our marriage was completely not only depleted, but the only thing that we could talk about was ministry-related things. And... And so I do remember one of the um, turning points that really, uh, well, it was Brett, but I remember one situation that happened, and it just really, uh, honestly, it melted my heart. But there was um, someone that, that he was talking to that was considering going in into the ministry, and at this point, that person wasn't married, and they were dating someone that um, wasn't sure they wanted to go into the ministry. And so this person was actually considering... Um, ending the relationship to uh, pursue someone else who was more ministry-minded. And Brett sat the brother down and said, do you love this girl you're dating? And he said, oh, yeah. And he said, why? He said, bro, you don't make a covenant with the ministry. You make a covenant with your wife. Yeah. You know, your wife is with you to the end yep. ministry may or may not be yep. and hearing him say that just really turned things around and turned things around for us yeah well yeah and i had just gotten to the to, to the place where you know and and we're using the phrase ministry you could just substitute career okay but it's just it's you know what we were doing every day just became more important than the relationship that's a violation of my covenant with christ that's a violation of my covenant and it's interesting because that that young brother did go on and marry that girl mm -hmm. and i'm i think they're actually in the ministry aren't they mm -hmm. they are yeah so how about that you and know? she's doing awesome <laughs> and we won't use their names because i actually can't remember their names but I, I i do remember the conversation but even if we did we wouldn't say <laughs> that's right we wouldn't say but this idea of covenant is really important here's here, let's look at um say one more thing um, I think in simple terms, you know, we want to try to make this simple, that in simple terms, a good marriage is built on being a good disciple. Yeah. You know, in other words, a faithful marriage is built on being a faithful disciple. Yeah. And that actually we learn faithfulness from God, right? That mm -hmm. as we see God's faithfulness towards us, that's how we model it in our marriages. One more scripture, and then we're going to have um, the porters come up and, and share here. In Isaiah chapter 54. Another passage that we really, we really love. Um, and this kind of comes under the heading of forever. There are a couple seats here up front if somebody wants them, yeah. if you dare. Elsie, Ricardo, you can sit up here. Yeah. In Isaiah 54, 
So faithfulness, right? Faithful to the covenant. In Isaiah 54, starting in verse 4. Again, not a marriage passage per se, right? This is a passage, God talking about his love for Israel. So even though it's not a marriage passage, it is a passage about romance and romantic relationships. God's with his people. God, God's relationship with his people. Verse 4, do not be afraid. You will not suffer shame. Do not fear disgrace. You will not be humiliated. You will forget the shame of your youth and remember no more the reproach of your widowhood. For your maker is your husband. The Lord Almighty is his name. The Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer. He is called the God of all the earth. The Lord will call you back as though you were a wife deserted and distressed in spirit, a wife who married young only to later be rejected, says your God. For a brief moment I abandon you, but with deep compassion I will call you back. In a surge of anger, I hid my face from you for a moment, but with everlasting kindness, I will have compassion on you, says the Lord, your Redeemer. What a great picture, right, of, of God's enduring love for us, for his people. And uh, there's a lot of hot-button words in here for sisters. I know Jeannie's going to share some about that. I simply wanted to say this, you know, that... Um, brothers, you're, that, that, that I want you to look at the woman that you're married to and realize this, you are not her first husband. If she is a sister, you are actually her second husband. God is her first husband. right? And, and, and so you don't have ultimate claim on your wife's life. Only Jesus has ultimate claim on your wife's life because he died for her. You haven't done that. right? You haven't done that. And so this idea of being romantically connected to God. And you know, for brothers, this is a hard thing. For dudes, this is not a way we think. We go, man, romantically connected to God. What does that even really look like? Sex. Well, <laughs> she said sex. That's a good word. It's, it's a great word. And they're going to talk more about that. We're going to just not talk about that. But, 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 but. but Brothers, I think one of the reasons we have trouble seeing our relationship with God romantically is because we have reduced romance down to something physical. Yeah. And our yeah. relationship with God is super physical. Yeah. Or super physical. It's bigger than that, right? It's about emotional connection. It's about bonding. It's about seeing one or walking with someone. It's about friendship. It's about you know a relationship that creates mutual strength and mutual affinity. All the things you love about your best, best brothers are those the same things you love about God. You know, is God the person that you most want to talk to? Or would you rather talk to your wife or one of your bros? And I think this kind of betrays our lack of spiritual depth as husbands, right? And when we're lacking depth with God, we're going to, we're going to relegate that. It's going, to, it's going to filter down into this relationship and it's going to get very, well, we talk about work, we talk about sex, or we talk about the kids or whatever. We don't have kids, but or we talk about the dog or we talk about things instead of about one another. Right? And when I'm struggling with depth with God, I get shallow with Jeannie. And the relationship gets one-dimensional. Yeah, as I think about the brick forever, and especially as I think about women, and just the things that we need that are core to us, you know, safety, security, we need to feel protected, things like that. And one of the thoughts that I had in this idea of forever you know, women, we like, you know, ever after and, you know, happily ever after and these concepts, right? That there's actually freedom in a relationship when you trust that the person is never going to leave you. When you trust that it's forever, it brings a freedom. It brings a security into the relationship. And so even... Think about God. He says, I will never leave you. Yeah. I will never forsake you. And when you trust that about your relationship with God, it brings a freedom. It brings a security. But you know, sister, so often we try to get our security and our confidence from our husbands instead of from God. And, you know, we can turn them into idols, you know, and... That never goes well. And we just have to remember that God is our first husband and yep. our spouse is our 
you know, is, is our second husband. And, you know, even just on a, a personal level and just how God, God has done amazing things in our marriage. And yep. we don't have time to share about it. Uh, the porters are going to share about theirs. And he's done some amazing things in theirs too. Um, but what I can tell you just as a snippet, there was a time in our relationship where I said, I will never trust him. You know, I love him, but I'll never be able to trust him. Yeah. And God has completely, completely changed all that. I trust him completely. And that gives such freedom and security in our marriage. So so in conclusion. um, (laughs) Kiss kiss your wife. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. yeah, Go ahead and kiss each other. The porters are going to come up and tell you how to do it all the other way. So if I had known that the conversation was going to be about baseball, I would have worn my Yankee jacket with the 27 patches on it to yeah, win the yeah. World Championships. Well, that's another story, right? I did love the part, though, about the, uh, the covenant versus the contract. I thought that was great. I really did. Um, so uh, let me tell you a little bit about us. My name is Dale Porter. This is my wife, Thais. Uh, we were born in Brooklyn. Oh. Okay, 1950. We met in junior high school in 1964 after a series of uh, breakups and makeups and went back and forth. <laughs> She's starting already. Okay. And we were married in 1973. Uh, so I went on to work as an air traffic controller and my wife started a career uh, as in social services. In uh, February of 1981, we had our first child, Jennifer, and in August of 1981, some of you may remember this, it was an air traffic controller strike, and I was fired by the President of the United States. Not a good time. In 1982, I decided that I didn't want to be married anymore, and I walked out on my wife and my daughter, and ultimately, I wound up divorcing this woman. Now, that's hard to believe, but that's what I did. Uh, also not a good time. A few years later, I met some uh, disciples in New York, studied the Bible, and I was baptized. Uh, a little bit after that, I invited Thais to a Bring Your Neighbor Day, and in a short period of time, she was baptized. Four months later, after she was baptized, we were remarried. Uh, I'm pretty excited about that, too. Uh, in 1990, we had our second daughter, Mallory. Uh, 14 years after being fired for life as an air traffic controller, I was rehired as an air traffic controller. That's another long, long story, but I don't want to go into all, all of that. But in 95, uh, we were appointed, appointed deacons in New York. In 97, uh, we were appointed elders in New York. And uh, five years ago, we became a part of the Greater Baltimore Church. So we're both now retired, uh, and our two daughters, when we moved from uh, New York to Baltimore, our two daughters also moved from New York to Baltimore, as did their husbands. And so they're all disciples in the Baltimore Church, and we have two grandchildren, uh, Robbie and Sloan. I had uh, some wonderful pictures to show you back when I actually looked good and I was young and stuff, but we have no video in here, so you'll just have to use your imagination. Uh, but if you, if you do the math and you followed all of that story, you figured out that we've known each other for 54 years. Uh, yeah, that's a long time. That's a long time. And we've been married for 45 years. So we want to talk. I keep getting the name of the class wrong. It has something to do with bricks and a successful marriage. We're going to continue the alliteration. We didn't plan that, actually. Uh, they did. Did we, did we plan it? We, we, we may have. We may have. <laughs> uh, but our first break is friendship, okay? Uh, and for us, friendship is like super important, okay? Marriage uh, needs more than just passion. You know, you fall in love with somebody, and you, know, you get the butterflies in there, and you, you can't eat anything, you're never hungry, and you can't sleep, you can't concentrate at work. You know how that goes? 
That doesn't last. <laughs> if you're building it just on that, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. So what we found is that friendship is an essential element in our marriage. Uh, you know, a solid friendship between two lovers says more about their compatibility than all the passion and all the, yep. all the odd love affair that you can have. Because as much as we like to think so, as much as Hollywood may portray it, you can't just make love all the time. You, you can't. You can't do. I try. You can't do it. Okay? So you need to understand that this union between husband and wife is a completely unique relationship. It's friendship. Okay. Okay. So friendship is more than that enjoyment of each other's company. Sometimes I think as adults we think friendship is like what we have as children. Oh, you're my friend and now you're not my friend and I'm going to get a new friend and you know, we play that game. But it really is the glue that God uses to bind us together in good times and bad. You know, we certainly had our share of bad times, you know, scars everywhere. And it is amazing to look at us today and realize that none of those scars stay in you. That God, in his infinite wisdom, removes them all. And I think that glue that God gives us in friendship, if you're really working on your friendship, you know, it's the acknowledgement of your spouse's good qualities and sharing them with them. We are a society of teardown. We do more damage in our own marriages by tearing each other down. Oh, you know, you didn't take out the garbage. You didn't do this. Well, didn't I tell you to take those kids? Did you pick them up? You know, we each have in our own hearts, both husbands and wives, the list of things that need to get done in our lives to make really our lives easier. It's not really for the other spouse. It's for us. Let's just be honest. But... If you spend as much time building up as you do tearing down, you will be amazed at how your friendship will grow. It's the listening for the truth in what is being said about you from your friend. I sometimes can get, many times, oftentimes, very prideful when Dale says, Faith, we need to talk. Now, first I have to get on the full armor of God, I have to go and pray, I have to do a lot of things before we can actually have this talk, because I'm so prideful. But when Dale is talking to me, I have learned over the years that what's more important is the truth in what he's saying, as opposed to how it gets delivered, because you may not believe this is just, but I have an incredible filter that makes everything sound worse than what it really is. So as he's saying it, I think, well, he really doesn't think very much of me. And, you know, and he might be saying, you know, honey, that character trait of yours, and you're like, not again, not again, God, please. However, if you're looking for the truth of what is said about you, rather than how it gets delivered to you, you'll be much, much happier as you go along. You know, it's funny. But I'm always looking for something else. I don't know, sisters, if you ever just feel like I need encouragement. And I have discovered now when Hebrew says we need to encourage one another daily, that is the thing for marriage that we need to work at. You need to encourage your spouse every day. If his shoes are on stick, honey, those shoes look fabulous. If that's the only good thing you can find for the day, or you can go, I'm so glad you're not farting anymore. And that's such good news. You know, then you say, honey, you're really working on that. And so that will be the glue that will keep your friendship intact. So, uh, friendship. John chapter 15. Verse 13. When you get to this age, you really got to search for it to find it on the page. I don't have the large print Bible yet. Uh, it says, Greater love has no one than, than this, to lay down one's life for one's friend. Now, obviously, that scripture is not about marriage, 
But just think about it. If that's what you need to do for your other friends, just imagine what you need to do for your best friend, who's your spouse. Okay? Proverbs 17, 17 says, and just, just the first part, once again, this is not necessarily about marriage, but it says, a friend loves at all times. Let's say sometimes. It says all times. 1 Corinthians 13, 4-7, I mean, we've seen that many times. You know, love is patient, love is kind. We don't have to go there. But what you get from that is that friends think the best and bear up under the worst. Amen. Proverbs 27, 6 talks about friends sharpening each other. Even if it requires correcting or rebuking. So you've got to be really close as friends to do that. Otherwise, you're going to have some serious battles around your house, right? Friends are intimate. Friends communicate openly. Friends show compassion and affliction. Friends trust each other. Friends rejoice in blessings. You know, when good stuff happens, and I know, I don't even know if my wife knows this. Years ago, um, my wife was on track to be a lawyer, and she actually gave that up to marry me, uh, which I thought was pretty special. But I remember all the accolades that she was getting and I remember like being a little, little jealous, like, well, how come nobody's saying anything about me? <laughs> the reason was I wasn't doing anything. But that's <laughs> But we need we need to rejoice when there are blessings for our spouse. That's what friends do. It's it's interesting, uh, friends like that are very rare. But you have this exceptional relationship with your spouse. Your friends, it's it's, it's sort of like God set up this special relationship where you have friends with benefits. Now, we thought we made that up, I don't know, 20, 30 years ago. But we didn't God made it up. We just tried to change the definition. But God made up this special relationship where you get friends with benefits. We're going to talk about the benefits a little later. Uh, but just right now, we need to note that we've got to be friends. Okay? So that's, that's the first F. The second F is fun. Fun. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 18 says, Behold, what I have seen to be good and fitting is to eat and drink and find enjoyment in all the toil with which one toils under the sun the few days of his life that God has given him, for this is his lot. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 4 says, There's a time to weep and a time to laugh, time to mourn, and a time to dance. That's God's word on having fun. I think sometimes we become Christians and we get that permanent disciple frown on our face, you know. Uh, that's not what God wants. God wants us to have fun. God wants us to celebrate. I mean, there's plenty of examples, right? Second Samuel chapter 6, uh, verse 14. David, wearing a linen ephod, danced before the Lord with all his might, while he and the entire house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouts and the sounds of trumpets. That sounds like, kind of like a house party to me. <laughs> but where I came from, that's, that's sort of how it was. I mean, God wants us to have fun. The Jews celebrated their, their exodus from Egypt, right? Yep. Jesus turned water into wine where? It was a wedding celebration, right? People were having a good time. God meant for us to have a good time. Too often, our marriages sort of become a business. Right? Yeah. Right? The business of jobs, business of household responsibilities, the business of church activities, uh, the business of money management, business of medical care. All of those things come into play, right? And they're all necessary. I don't want to downplay their importance, but our marriages are not business. That's not what they are. There is a, a business aspect to them, but they are not business. So every day, we find a way to laugh. As you can tell, we're rather funny anyway. Um, we find a way to encourage one another. And if he forgets, I gently remind him. Because I'm the kind of woman that needs verification. I don't know about Joel, you'll do your thing. But if he doesn't notice, for example, that I washed the curtains or you know, scrubbed really hard the bathroom and, you know, all the list of things that are on my list. Then I say, oh, honey, did you notice the curtains? And he's like, huh, the curtains? Yes, the curtains. You know, did you notice that I washed the dishes? 
And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Now, it may sound silly to you, but these are the things that make my life go better. And if he wants to get to the next, next F, he better notice when I say, honey, the curtains, they look, they look great, honey, great job, great job. Because those are the things that keep you going. In, in everybody's marriage, there are little things that just work for you. When the garbage gets out and I don't say, what a great job you did with that. Then he says, did you notice anything? Now that means something has happened in the house. You better take a look and see what that is. You don't get and every day, and this is a pearl. So if you don't write down anything else, write this down. Every day we take time for us. Now, we have these little things, children, big things, big, little, whatever they are. But every day we would shut them down. Like, now some of you call that bedtime, some of you call that, you know, wait time. But every day we say, that's it. Now, around 10 o'clock, we would say to our kids, all right, everybody in their location, that means go to your room, have no more time for you, time for us to communicate is over. This is daddy's time. Now, in our house, if you laugh too loud, here they come. Mommy, you all are having a party without us? Like, yes, get back to your room because this is us, okay? And so our biggest fun, believe it or not, and it's going to sound crazy, but this is how things happen. If we can get in the car alone, just him and I, this is the biggest fun in the world. We get to talk uninterruptedly. You know, you can't really be on the phone while you're in the car, although I've seen many of you couples do it. I've seen you sit in a room together, having a meal with your cell phones out, talking to somebody else. I don't understand. What are you thinking? It is not going to lead to the next step. So whatever you're doing, however you choose to have fun in your marriage. No one can tell you what fun is for you. But you've got to put it in there. God gives it to us. So when the hard times come, and believe me, they're coming, you can say, oh wait, but we have fun doing, we have fun just driving around going nowhere as long as we're together. Got it? Yep. You gotta laugh. You gotta laugh. Uh, a famous philosopher said a sense of humor is great, it goes a long, long way in a marriage. That philosopher was Chris Rock. Uh, but it's absolutely true. It's absolutely true. You got to laugh with each other. You got to laugh at each other. Now, little caveat there. You start laughing at each other, you got to tread lightly. You got to know where the sensitive areas are and where not to go. Otherwise, the laughter will end quickly. But. But you, but you gotta laugh. I mean, we, we're getting older, we forget things, and we tease each other about having dementia, and, I, and I, I guess that's not a funny topic, but you know what? You gotta laugh. You gotta lighten up. Most things are not that serious. There's plenty of serious stuff going on. You gotta figure out a way to laugh. You know, I've been to a lot of funerals over the past few years. That's what, when you get older, you wind up going to a lot of funerals. And what I hear many times when you're talking to people about the deceased, they say, I remember his laugh. I, I remember her laugh, you know? They, they don't talk about how stylish they were dressed or the degrees they have, but that's what I hear. Laughter's good for the soul. It is. It is. As I said, there is plenty to be serious about. There's a lot of bad news. All you got to do is turn the TV on. There's a lot of bad news, right? But we need to laugh as much as possible. You guys need to have inside jokes, you know, like that nobody else understands, just between you and your spouse. I, I mean, we've had many over the years, but I think the latest one is, is, is this. this. I just do that. Now, nobody in here knows what that means, except us. You know what that means? That means when we, yeah, it does mean three. That's, that's good. A math major. So, what, we're, we're in a, some sort of difficult situation, and we're, you know, you just sort of sometimes get overwhelmed with the sin that's all around you. And this means, that's why Jesus only stayed down here three years. How come I got to stay 30, 35? You know? But that's what it means. See, now you all know, now we got to change it somewhere. 
<laughs> but we'll find something, right? Now, you know what? I don't remember what I got for Christmas three years ago. I don't. But I will remember this for the rest of my life. Yeah. The rest of my life, I'll remember that little inside joke that we had that's no longer an inside joke. <laughs> A couple of things that you need to know about laughter. People who laugh live longer. You know what? Yeah. They do. They live longer. I know some people who frown so much, they probably should have been dead 10 years ago. <laughs> but, if, but if you laugh a lot, you're going to live longer. <laughs> Laughing burns calories. <laughs> it does. It improves your memory. It helps relieve stress. It helps relieve pain. As you get older, you'll appreciate that more. <laughs> it can help boost your immune system. It helps reduce blood pressure by improving your blood flow. It stimulates your mind. It's, this is the kind of workout that laughter is. If you laugh for 10 or 15 minutes, that's worth about 50 calories. You know what that is? That's one Chips Ahoy cookie. <laughs> it is? If you like Chips Ahoy cookie, you know. Start laughing, you can eat a whole line of them. <laughs> it's good medicine for your health and for your marriage. It is. So you gotta laugh. You gotta have some fun, right? I mean, now you're feeling good. We're laughing, right? That's good. Okay, so that's the second brick. Let's talk about the third brick. And as I was standing here, I realized we were doing this alliteration with, with, with the F's, and I said, oh, some people might be concerned about what the last F is. But. Clean your but, mind. That's Clean right. Your mind. That's right. Unspiritual dogs. Um, no. The, <laughs> the last F is frolic. Now you say, well, isn't that fun? Well, yeah, it's a different kind of fun. <laughs> frolic is really about sex and intimacy. But I wanted to continue the alliteration. You can see how that worked, right? Okay. Some of you didn't. That's okay. Um, but... Here's the thing, intimacy should not be totally equated with sex. That's important to know. In fact, chances are, if you aren't intimate in other areas of your life, you're probably not going to have much sexual intimacy. That's one of the first things to suffer. So I just wanted to make that differentiation. Uh, sex should always be intimate, but intimate, intimacy is not always sex. Okay? Let's look at Matthew chapter 19. How are we doing? How are we doing? Matthew chapter 19. And you're all familiar with this. It says, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. That's pretty intimate, right? I don't completely understand it all, how it all works, but I know this. That's pretty intimate. Right? Another great philosopher said, Women need a reason to have sex. Men only need a place. That, of course, was the great Billy Crystal. And uh, another great philosopher, uh, Phil Knight, who is the founder of Nike, had a much shorter version of it, and it was, just do it. Uh, so we talked about intimacy not always being sex, but let's just talk about sex for a minute, okay? Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, 2 to 5. I mean, I, most of the guys have it memorized. Stop depriving one another except by agreement for time, so that you may devote yourselves to prayer, and then come together again, so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Right? Proverbs 5, verse 19, A loving doe, a graceful deer, let her breasts satisfy you always. Isn't it nice that you can be spiritual and say the word breasts? It's nice. <laughs> may you ever be captivated by her love. Now, there are other inferences in the Bible to sex, but there's not too many. And I, and I started, well, why is that? I couldn't figure out why that was. And I thought about it, and, and I realized, you don't really have to tell me twice to have sex. That's true for most of us. You know why? We're, we're naturally predisposed to be sexual beings. That, that's who we are. And admittedly, some more than others, but we're all sexual beings. But what happens is, We've, uh, we've come away with these distorted perceptions of sex and intimacy, and we get all of that from the world. You know, you can look out there at, 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 at just about any television show, any movie, any magazine, any newspaper, and we get these distorted views. Yeah. But what does Titus 1.15 say? It says, to the pure, all things are pure. 
But to those who are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. But, but both their mind and their conscience are defiled. God's position is that within the confines of marriage, all things are pure. Okay, I, I mean, I know that a lot of times we spend so much time being told, no, 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 that we get married and we can't seem to turn the switch. But to God, all things are pure. But we contaminate our sexuality with all of this uh, influence from the world. Listen, God created marriage and sex. He wants us to enjoy it. Okay, so frolic is that encouragement, enjoyment, and a lot of energy. Nobody frolics going, I'm so tired, I'm so tired, I'm so tired. Sisters, that is one of the cardinal sins we always have. I'm just tired. You're going to have to get over it because they really don't want to hear that from you. It may be true that you're tired. Work it up a notch. You just got to, got to increase your energy level, sisters, so that you can stay. Now, some of us, let's face it, are highly energetic. And the brothers, you're a little slacking in the areas where you should be more energetic. Off to the gym with you. Things, things that can negatively impact our sex life is not our own fault. Like you may have a medical condition that prevents you from participating. Um, you may be on a medication, your age, you may be injured. There may be a lot of reasons why the actual act of sex may not occur, but that is no reason to not have intimacy to not be very close, to not be huggy and clingy and cuddly and all those things that help each other to be close. Um, there's, oh, I wasn't, oh, I'm sorry. sorry. There is no excuse, I'll try to speed it up. There's no excuse for a loss of romance and loving intimacy. Sometimes your intimacy may be in all the words that you say throughout the day. Now here's another pearl. If you really want to have great intimacy and sex, start early in the morning with him or her thinking about it with promises of great things to happen later. So girls, remember, if you make a promise, do not make a vow to God or your husband that you do not intend to keep. So don't get him all revved up at seven in the morning and at seven at night go, oh, I've got a headache. So, in, the, uh, in a couple of minutes that we have left, uh, just want to give you a couple of tips in case uh, you got a little foggy on this area. Um, uh, ten quick tips my wife and I will read to you. First of all, too many of us have virtually no respect for what our spouse really wants or needs. But we have unlimited respect for what we feel like we need. So we're not only hurting our spouses, we're hurting ourselves when we do that. See, if you, just think about this. If each of you were completely focused on trying to please the other person, let's think how great that would be. That's nice, right? Don't think too hard, you're in class. Marriage is meant to be more about your surrender than your satisfaction. Ooh. Ooh. Wow. Enough said, right? Sex is God's idea. It's a blessing to husbands and wives. We should sometimes just stop and thank God for sex. It was, it's not our idea. Sometimes we think we came up with this. We didn't come up with this. God came up with this. So God honoring sex is not dirty. It is flirty. It is all about how you flirt to increase the love that you have for each other. Yep. If you're not intentionally making your sex life a priority, it's going to fall by the wayside. There's just too much stuff going on. All kinds of stuff. Kids, jobs, all the stuff I listed before. It's going to get in the way. You have to intentionally make sure that this remains a part of your marriage. Okay, so you've got to kiss every... Oh, I'm sorry. Is that yours? That's yours. I thought that was mine. Oh, you could do it too. Good. Never mind. When you have children... <laughs> We've been around a while. We're getting a little excited ourselves up here. Too. Sorry. Your marriage is now more important than ever, not less important. 
because other people are counting on you and you're, you're modeling marriage for your children from the day they're born. So there's four more quickly. Number one, kiss every chance you get. It's a great warm -up. And I don't mean those little, you know, kisses like you give your grandmother. I'm talking about real kisses. Okay? Ladies, this is important. Most guys like to look and touch. That's just how we are. Don't blame us. God did it. Okay? So, don't be stingy with your body. Okay? You got the left. And hug him like you mean it. Don't walk around giving your husband the old Christian hug. You know, hey, bro, how's it going? No, they like full frontal on like hugs. That. And a child-centered marriage is a recipe for disaster. Teach, teach children early that their happiness is not mom or dad's reason for living. Okay? You get the point, don't you? Okay, you get the point. So, we're just about out of time. So, just I just want to give you a couple of umbrella points to, to take with you. First of all, uh, we talked about being friends. I mean, your spouse needs to be your best friend. I was chastised for years for continually saying that my wife was my best friend. Well, now we talk about that all the time. Uh, but she was and she is and she should be. Secondly, uh, your marriage relationship is a priority. Not your children. Your children will try to make them your priority. But it's up to you to make sure that your marriage relationship is a priority. Uh, intimacy is of paramount importance. Uh, once again, it's not just about sex. Sex is nice. But uh, there are other ways to be intimate. And intimacy is very, very important. Marriage, guys, is to be enjoyed. Sometimes, though, that enjoyment requires sacrifice. Not always going to go the way you want it to go. You are married to someone else. It's time to practice being selfless. And remember, when you make a sacrifice in marriage, you're sacrificing not to each other, but to the unity of the relationship. One last thing. In marriage, it's either win-win or lose-lose. There's no win-lose. If you don't both, if both win, then you both lose. Okay? Listen, we can have great marriages. The thing is, we got to put in the work. Amen? Uh, let's try it one time. Thank you. Thank you.